The John Crocker and Associates Property Management News Desk Podcast. Brought to you in association with Palace. Great property management software at getpalace.com. And Moving House Property Video. Bringing your listing to life at movinghouse.net.nz. In this episode, we catch up with Hawke's Bay-based Business Development Manager, Andrew Williams. Andrew has a significant background in the property management industry, where his considerable skills have been utilised by a number of firms. Andrew is currently the BDM for Hawke's Bay company, Tremaines, who are in the process of building their rent roll from scratch. Andrew joins your host, John Crocker and Associates, David Faulkner, to discuss his experiences and offer some handy hints to property managers and BDMs alike. Welcome to the New Zealand Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, David Faulkner. In today's show, we're coming from the sunny parts of New Zealand, the Hawke's Bay, where with me is Tremaine's Business Development Manager, Andrew Williams. Andrew, first of all, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, David. It's nice to be here. Great to catch up with you again. Now, you've been in property management for a number of years now, haven't you? You started out as a property manager? Yes, I did. It's been uh, five and a half years now since I've been in property management. Um, I fell into property management uh, by default. I had a friend of mine who was a, um, a director of a company and he suggested I come along and have a look at the business. So I did that and I basically cut my teeth in property management um, and learned the ropes, got myself industry trained, understood tenancy law in this country and set about developing a portfolio with that particular company. Yep, and now you've moved on to business development management. How long have you been doing that for, Andrew? About two and a half to three years. Um, I was with another company and they created the position for me. Um, I then, I basically took that on board and decided to run with it. It was more of a selling type role. Uh, Property management was never going to be my long term um, project. So I took it and and ran with it and obviously uh, met up with you and another company as well. And and obviously we, you know, we were successful at it and we have have been successful at it. I mean, I love the job. It's a fantastic job. We're out there, we're, we're, you're almost selling at the coalface, but you're not, um, but you're not a property manager as well. And the, the ability to have the property management experience and training is critical to being able to, uh, to deliver the results and the performance to you know, your current owners and prospective landlords. So as a business development manager as you are now, what you're saying is that the experience you've had as a property manager has been vital to, to why you've been successful. Absolutely. Um, You understand exactly how landlords operate, how a tenancy operates, how your tenants work, um, obviously things like your rent payments, tenancy law as well, obviously if you're having to go to tribunal work or do anything like that. You're able to advise a new owner absolutely anything. I can answer any question that anyone puts in front of me around tenancy law in this country. Now you're obviously a successful business development manager and that property management background obviously helped you a great deal. Why is it then? that so few property managers find that they can sell property management? One of the big things is um, I've noticed over in the years I've been in the industry is that you, you either have a bend for a sales type um, environments where you are actually out there as a property manager, you're actually prospecting, you're actually looking, you, there's opportunities of presenting themselves in front of you. A lot of property managers don't see that. They're very good at the job and very good at being strategically a property manager as opposed to someone who's going out and generating new business. So there is a there is a mindset and I think that even in um, business development managers across Australasia there tends to be that mindset that they're more sales focused um, and certainly with someone like myself I mean I like the deal um, going out to clinch it. Um, it's probably like every bloke it's the hunt and seek yeah. and um, you know it plays a critical part to it yeah. 
Okay, all right. So do you believe that property managers should be responsible for growing rent rolls as well, or is that a role specifically for the business development manager to grow the, to grow the business? The, the business development manager's role is very much the key focus. So I mean, in most companies that I've worked in where, where I've been in this role, the BDM has basically taken all the leads, the referrals, um, the linking with the sales teams, and obviously doing that work. But at the end of the day, the property manager still has a really good relationship with the landlord, and the current landlords, particularly and owners, they're going to have their own network base um, and referral network that they can work off. So sure, a lot of those particular properties that come to the company will be very easy sign-ups and the fact that the, the property manager themselves ha- has a relationship with that particular person. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a soft take um, compared to the business development manager who's doing a lot of cold calling. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as a business development manager, you must, I mean, what's the importance of having that rapport with your property management team that, that they're going to deliver the goods? Absolutely. I mean, that, that is the fundamental. We have to be able to be 200% confident with the team. Uh, we can't have one member of the team letting us down anywhere because we have to be able to sell the product and the service to the, the uh, prospective landlord. Um, I've been very fortunate in all the teams I've worked in. Uh, we've had very experienced property managers, and it's been fundamental to our success, I believe, in helping to grow the portfolio. Have you ever had situations, though, where you've felt that you've had to take the property managers to one side, or, or you've had to deal with where you've had concerns about? Because ultimately, if you've got an element of doubt of the service that they're going to provide, that's got to come through in, in, in a uh, listing presentation. Yeah, it will do. Um, I think rent-a-rees is a very big thing, um, and I know in the companies that you and I have worked in that um, rent-a-rees is obviously getting it down to a zero rent-a-rees policy inside the company is absolutely critical to selling the portfolio and the service. Um, so if a property manager is having problems with rent-a-rees, then that's something that we need to address as a business development manager, get alongside the property manager, help them overcome that problem, um, and obviously get their portfolio back to a zero rent-a-rees um, situation. Okay, yeah, that's very good. Uh, and And... Where do you find most of your business? Where's, where's most of the leads that come from? Okay, There's, with the, all the three companies I've worked in, the sales teams are the biggest referral leads. So I attend all the sales meetings, um, particularly in the two centres here in Hawke's Bay. Um, that's on a weekly basis and I build those relationships by just doing simple appraisals for, for the agents. Um, as well as being there, answering questions, any advice they need around property and investment. And also um, through my own referral network as well, my own private contact base. Mm. But another big one is the current landlords. And I think a lot of property management companies forget that the actual current landlord database probably holds as much property inside there that we don't manage as a company. Um, And it's not until you start digging into it that you start finding that there are other properties um, under management possibly with another company. And it's just a matter of working with your landlords and, and obviously... Um, exploring those opportunities and actually digging deeper with them. That's all about relationship building. So do you, do you uh, let's talk about the current landlords then, on the database at the moment of the portfolios that you manage. Do you expect your property managers to go out and, and establish if they've got more property or whether they want to potentially buy more or do you see that as your role going out there to have regular communication uh, with these landlords? So the, uh, most of the ones that I've brought into the company, certainly I have that relationship obviously initially from the word go anyway. Um, I like to maintain that relationship. There's obviously a, a monthly newsletter that goes out to all the um, current landlords as well. But it's it's important though I think that the, the landlords are comfortable with the property manager. At the end of the day, the property manager is doing the day-to-day management of the property. So they have to know and be absolutely 100% set in their way that 
they, you know, they're going to deliver. They're going to be the ones who are tenanting the property, making sure the rent is paid, inspecting the property. And really for the business development manager, it's all about linking the landlords and also the property managers to provide that ultimate service. Yeah. It seems to me, Andrew, talking to you, that you're, you're almost portraying yourself as the industry expert. Uh, and, and a fair bit of this could be education to current landlords or prospective landlords. What information do you give them? So most of it's based around market information, particularly what the market's doing, um, where the opportunities present themselves. If someone's looking for a property, for example, that they want a long-term capital gain on, or if they're looking for something around an investment return, then obviously we're advising into the particular suburbs and cities as to where they should be going. Um, anything around tenancy law and the current industry standards, are particularly also other things that we offer. A lot of private landlords at the moment are also coming unstuck by managing property and they're not understanding the current tenancy laws in this country, which, of course, as we know, are changing all the time. Yeah. Um, and with tenants being able to sue landlords, it's becoming a major issue. Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you probably touched on the topic there with a lot of private landlords coming unstuck. We've also seen in recent years uh, a big increase in the number of property management companies start up ever since the, the, the industry or the real estate um, industry was deregulated or property management was deregulated. Is it harder now to find managements than what it was when you first started in property management? Yes, I think it is. Um, certainly in our area here now, we have a lot more competition. Um, just currently at the moment, we are experiencing a lot of price cutting in the form of the management fee. And it's becoming aggressive in the marketplace um, between a number of companies now, simply just to pick the management up. Um, we're in a very much a growth stage ourselves, so we're... we're uh, I suppose we could say we're being very aggressive in the marketplace yep. too. So it's, I, I think, and it probably comes back to something you and I have spoken about in the past, where really the industry needs to be regulated. Mm -hmm. And it then gives that protection really for the, the private landlord as well, knowing that the property's been maintained by an expert. Yeah. So give us a bit of a, a background of what you've done at Tremaine's, because Tremaine's have, have really, they've just stepped back into property management from being a more of a sales-only company. Uh, what structure, what, what, what processes have been put in place to get property management off the ground? Right, so they, they used to have a property management company, David, 10 years ago, which they sold, and then they've currently just obviously concentrated on the sales teams. They've now come back through pressure from inside the company eight and a half months ago, set up a property management company right from scratch. Mm -hmm. And um, we've now got hundreds of properties um, literally under, under management. And we're growing every single month. We've got um, good double-digit growth every single month at the moment. That's excellent. And it's all about what they've also done is they've looked at experienced property managers. So they've gone out and found people who basically are experts in their fields, um, could possibly be the best in the industry, and in our local area anyway in Hawke's Bay here. And um, they've employed them. And that's one of their philosophies in the whole company structure right through the sales team to the property management team is employing the best people to, to, to offer the best service. Yeah, so it's been going for not much more than 12 months, the property management side of the business. There's Obviously, there's got to be a stage where you win these clients. They're going to be, and they'll have a shelf life, and, it, and it's easier to maintain that growth at an early stage in a business. Yeah. What plans, what steps does Tremaine's put in place to make sure that they've got good long-term growth? Because eventually, some of these properties, they'll, they'll you lose them through either sales or people moving back in. What steps will you, did Tremaine's put in place to keep making sure that you've, you've still got that continual growth? 
So it all comes back to service and the systems that we generate and offer our people. Um, communication is a really big thing, and I think that you and I have spoken in the past, communication is the key to a, almost everything inside mm-hmm. property management. Owners like to hear, um, and I think if we can keep the, the communication up to all our owners, then they will feel comfortable that we are actually handling, we're delivering the actual service that they want. Um, going forward, I mean, we are in a position where we're not losing property. Obviously, we're gaining every month. Uh, we will get to that position, but once we get to a certain size, we, we estimate that it will be just by a matter of um, the, the sheer scale of the business that we'll actually be, be winning managements from anyway. Yeah. And it's all about contacts. Uh, we operate with a very big sales team, obviously, as well. So we have a lot of people in the marketplace that are talking Tremaine's at the moment. Yeah, I'm currently speaking here with Andrew Williams, the business development manager from Tremaine's here in the Hawke's Bay. Now, Andrew, can we just go back uh, briefly to we talk about communication there? Now, you've said that as a business development manager, you'll have contact with the landlords as well. And the property manager will also obviously have contact with the landlords. Is there a risk there that, you know, I have a theory that landlords like to deal with one person. Uh, is there a risk that they maybe get com- may get a bit of confusion as to who they're dealing with? It, all the day-to-day stuff, David, I always leave to the property managers. I think it's critical that they actually maintain that day-to-day contact. I generally send out either a monthly email, uh, and some of the current landlords, it may be um, quarterly that they get something from me. It's more about a a generic um, summary of what's happening in the marketplace as opposed to -to day-to-day actual dealings with their property. So it's a far more greater scheme of things that I deal with, uh, whereas the property manager, of course, is dealing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, okay. So what growth strategies do you you find? Obviously, the sales team is a is a big source and, and keeping in front of that sales team. Yeah. Is, is it, what percentage of business will come in through the sales team approximately? At the moment, that is running probably at about 15%. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very high in the current, in the current company I'm in. Um, obviously, the company I worked in beforehand, which you'd obviously know a bit about as well, is there was, it was a lot higher. In fact, it was close to, I think, 50 to 60%. Um, but we are building that relationship and that's what it's all about as I'm finding at the moment is helping the sales teams as much as possible and we expect that business to grow exponentially just through the sales teams alone. Because there's a lot of leads that will go via through the sales team which you may not even hear about. Absolutely and it's also through um, the commercial team we obviously have a um, sister companies that are selling in the high end of the market plus also in the commercial market and now rural as well so there's a big feedback that we're getting in a connection between all the companies gives us a I suppose the strength in the marketplace yeah do you spend a lot of money on marketing yourself or is it more through networking and, and getting your name out there what what's what what are the strategies that you use which are successful most of the um, the marketing is done by the company at this stage I probably need to do more on my own accounts um, I have a, my own mentor obviously um, which I pay for out of my own pockets and have done now for the last two years um, so yeah, it's at the moment the company very much is the one in charge of marketing. They're driving it, they're helping it, they're putting the money forward. But my probably my social media is the big one I need to be spending more and more time on. Yeah. Can we just come back to your, your your coach, which you talked about, which you just picked up on, which I found interesting. And you said that that you pay for it out of your pocket. Why do you do that? Why don't you get the company to pay up, pick up the bill for that? It's, it's interesting talking to um, Tara, who's my mentor. Um, as she said, I'm one of the ones out of her whole network of 70 um, Ultimate Group members. 
um, inside her company that use her as a mentor and of the ones like myself that actually pay for it we actually, we actually generate and probably get the most from it so anything she's suggesting and having a go at because we're paying for it we're probably working it harder um, I probably work her a lot harder to get information from her to find out what's going on to help what I'm doing on a daily and weekly basis um, so what you're saying is is that if you're putting your hand in your pocket and paying for it for yourself yeah. you're more likely to want to get value for money out of that coach it, it, absolutely and also it protects me in the area as well so I don't get other companies using getting access to this particular um, company as well yeah yeah, yeah. And, and because property management is relatively new it remains is it beneficial to have that external source which you can go to who can push you because there may be a lack of knowledge or expertise in the company that you work with yeah absolutely um, the directors that I've got all the um, well the directors and principal uh, are very motivated guys um, and they have a big plan they're driven but at the end of the day they are quite open about the fact that they don't understand property management so they're coming back to people like ourselves um, to provide that expertise and knowledge so someone like Tara who I use as a mentor is fundamental to that picture I'm going to use her a lot this year around the big picture issues and things that we can do as a company and particularly in our region here to help generate growth and leads and, and obviously ultimately more business. Yeah, it's worth pointing out to our listeners that who you're talking about is Tara Bradbury, That's the correct. Uh, Australian BDM Academy company. That, that is correct, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. And what type of tasks does Tara get you doing? So she has a she gets us in on a monthly basis. We have to set out, um, set, we're set tasks to, to achieve. Um, and we have goals in place for the whole year, so our goals with the BDM Academy are also linked into our company goals, and we're there, she monitors us um, on, a, on a monthly basis. A simple thing is like she may have um, set up, in one of the months coming up, we'll have a, well not so much a competition, but a directive that she calls the Call Connect, and this is about making calls every day. So it's wh where are we doing it, how much time we're spending doing it, and what, what business are we actually generating from, from these calls that we're making. One of the fundamentals that a business development manager won't do is make, not make calls. Um, and that's the bit we all don't like, it's the cold calling, but we have to do it, it's critical to the business. So how many calls then? How many calls do you make in a week? So, so we have a minimum, of, um, a minimum of 10 good connect calls a day, okay? So, so can you explain to our listeners what a connect call actually is? Yeah, so, so that could be with a current landlord, um, it could be with a prospective t uh, landlord, it's someone where you are actually speaking to, it's not someone that you're leaving a message on the phone with and then ticking them off on the list and saying, hey, I've done nine of them or ten or whatever. It's actually having a proper conversation. So it's a physical conversation yeah. with somebody. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And look, I mean, that can change from day to day. I mean, she sets daily targets for us, particularly when we set up what we call our ideal week. Mm -hmm. So it's all about streamlining, maximising our time and what we're doing there. I mean, particularly in the Hawke's Bay here, if we look at Hastings and Napier being 20 minutes, 25 minutes apart, you can spend a lot of time in a car driving backwards and forwards where you're not actually doing anything. So that could be used as an ideal time to put a list of numbers beside you on the seat and start phoning as you're traveling. Um, but it's also about structuring your time management and that's another key thing which she's very, very strong on. Yeah, good. Can I just come back though to, to your phone calls? Because there'd be a lot of people out there, you know, to be principals, business owners, BDMs especially, who they're probably thinking, where do I find these leads of people to call? So could you give some advice to say somebody stepping into a business development management role where do they look for these leads? Where do they look to make these calls? Who are they calling? And how are they extracting that information? Okay, so it's all about setting up databases. And I mean, we all, every property management company has a database. A, you've got your tenant list, 
Um, you've also got your, your current owner list. So there's, there's two databases for starters. Tenants will also look in the long term to probably buy purchase property as well. So they potentially can become a landlord. The other places are obviously linked for your own referral network um, through the sale leads out of the sales teams. Um, particularly in New Zealand here, of course, it's TradeMe and also realestate.co.nz. So there's a lot of cold calling involved in that side of it where we can pick it all up, the information as to where the property is, and then we can go through the likes of CoreLogic or Property Guru and find information as to who owns the property. And that, of course, is linked into a phone number. So we can then find the phone number for the person that owns that property and make that call. So we're very much aware of and are watching what's actually happening in the marketplace and when property is being advertised. So if a property's been sitting there for a while and it's empty, then we make the phone call to that particular owner. And how do you handle the rejection? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to win everyone that you call. And, and I mean, there's, there's, dare I say, you may get the odd disgruntled punter who was saying, what are you doing calling me? How do you handle that rejection? Because I think that's where a lot of people get hung up on, that they, they fear that rejection. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was something I was taught in my early days of selling was, um, you know, don't take it personally, I think is really the big thing. It's not actually you they don't want, it's actually they just don't want your service. Um, so, so that's why I say don't take it personally. Um, but look, if, you, if, if I find that if I'm going through and the calls are getting hard, I actually stop and I generally often ring a mate of mine who's um, someone I can have on and have a laugh with and it's what I call a soft call and mm. it gets you into a better frame of mind, gets you smiling, get you laughing and then jump back into actually calling people and I think you'll find that you'll win from that as well. Yeah. So at the start of the interview, we talked about you know being successful. Can you define to you, I mean, what, what's a successful BDM achieving? Um, in a marketplace, what do you believe are the numbers that they should be generating? That's through the Australasian experience with Tara from the BDM Academy. It varies from city to city, even in Australia um, to New Zealand, as to where we should be, to, uh, how many numbers are coming into a portfolio. Um, it's, I mean, I've ranged anywhere from 15 to 28 properties a month okay, really? across my last two and a half years on average. I mean, some months we've had uh, lesser months. Um, I've just started out into obviously a new company again. My numbers aren't at the high end yet, um, but we're certainly getting there. So it's all dependent, it takes time. Um, it all, it's all about getting to know people and letting people know where you are, of course. Well, there you've probably touched on a good point because you're not going to get them straight away on lots of occasions. How persistent are you and how often are you communicating with these people? So with the databases, it's, it's about having hot, warm and cold databases. And you know when someone's running hot, we're working with them pretty pretty efficiently and on a regular basis. I mean, I'd be in touch with them at least once a week. Sometimes it may be more if we're getting to a stage of actually closing the deal with them. It may mean that we're having evening meetings, coffee meetings. I'll basically put in as much time and effort as I need to to win that business. So once they have gone from being on the hot list, they basically will then fall into, our, of course, our current database, landlord database, where they'll be serviced from there as well. Someone who's cold may be only contacted every three months, sometimes every six months. Um, and then obviously as they're coming forward, if we're going to start winning some business or they're starting to show signs of some interest with the company, then we'll obviously bring them forward into a warm database and then obviously into the hot database to, to actually work them hard. Yeah. Andrew, you sound like a, a very, very busy man. And in this, you're saying that there's a monthly newsletter being done as well. Who does that? Is that something the company does? Do you have any input in that? How, how does that transpire? How does that work? So from the companies I've worked with before, um, I used to do, in the first company I used to do it all myself because it was all system generated. And then um, where I am now is predominantly done through the company uh, with obviously input from myself around knowledge and what's happening in the marketplace. 
We also have a company letter that goes out internally um, right across the, the, the five companies that we're involved in. And we also have a property management um, or a rental part of that that has an update, has some quirkies in there, tells a bit about what's going on around our numbers um, and just keeps the company and all the rest of the staff members informed of what we're doing. So it's just keeping your presence. I mean, so would you say that you're a brand within a brand? Yes, we well, could be seen, seen like that. Um, I mean, Tremaine's the brand in the area is large. Yes. Um, it's one of the two big ones in the, in the region, obviously. And it's the power of that particular brand that we, in the rental side, are spinning off the back of as well. Um, so it's, it's critical to us, yeah. Okay. As a BDM, or well, say there's someone new coming into business development management, what are the mistakes that you see other companies, or that you've even made yourself through your time in property management, what are the key mistakes that you think people make okay. into a business development management role? Well, one of the biggest things, David, is probably with time management. Um, I think that if we're very honest with ourselves and actually sit back and look at what we're doing on a weekly basis, and this is something Tara gets you to do, is to actually track your week, weekly progress. So literally every half an hour to an hour of the day, you're actually recording on what you're doing. So you can see at the end of the week, what have I actually done that's actually income producing time here? So how do you record that? Do you just write it down in a notebook or Absolutely. something that simple? Yeah, pr- pretty much. So you just create it or create it on um, obviously my own laptop. And it's, it's amazing how much time can be spent um, where you're sitting there just talking to property managers. And that's a, that's a, yeah. a real downside. So, so what you'll do at the end of a week or the end of the month, you'll go back and track the time that you've spent and look at ways that you can write, I'm wasting half an hour here talking to this person who's not producing me any income whatsoever. So yeah. is that what you actually do? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's all about, and then it gets back to setting the times when you're making your call connects. So in the morning it might be you're cleaning out emails, phoning, and then you might have an hour to two hours in the afternoon where it's, you're solidly making calls. So often in that situation you're best to step away from your property managers and actually get yourself into an office or what I sometimes do is actually take numbers with me, sit in my car outside, say at a park under a tree, and actually sit there and concentrate and just make the calls where there's no one around. Well, Andrew, when you review this hour of your uh, week, I hope it's a productive one <laughs> for you and it's not something that you uh, would be going, oh, it's a waste of time. Now, we've looked at what you do in terms of reviewing the work that you do. I get the impression that planning's a big part of your business as well. How much time do you spend planning and how far out do you plan? So we, we start off, of course, with the company goal and where we want to achieve for the obviously the financial year. And then we track that back down, obviously, into our monthly goal. And then for myself, it's actually tracking that back down into a weekly goal, which then becomes the daily goal to the hourly goal. So it can track itself right back. And that's where Tara from the Academy is really good at getting you to look at where you're going and how you're doing it. So that planning is always in place and in front of you. But we still need to go back and review what we are actually doing. Right. So, so you're, you're literally planning almost every hour of each day and you're reviewing, reviewing. So you've got a long-term plan. Absolutely. And very much a short-term plan. Same with goals? Yeah, the goals are very much set around, so the goals are set around the um, the company goal, which comes back into um, the numbers we need to achieve per month. So that'll get down to the number of phone calls being made, to the number of appraisals that need to be done that are going to generate the business. So you can possibly look at it for every two appraisals that you're doing, you're picking up a management from it. Um, that's not exactly rule of thumb, but it's um, getting close to it. So if you're wanting 20 managements in for the month, then you're going to be looking at around 40 plus appraisals. So that could be helping agents out as well. But on 
the law of averages tells us that that's the sort of business that you'll start winning from it. So what you're doing, you, you, you know that to generate X amount of dollars in revenue a month, you've got to do X amount of appraisals. So about 50% hit rate on, on your listing pre- or your appraisals that you're doing? Yeah, that's on, presentations? On, on the appraisals, David, but from the actual listing presentations, now I'm, I'm more around 85 to 90%. Right. I think that's where a lot of... Um, uh, I, I find it's a difference for me is that I actually go and front people. Um, I never give information over the telephone in the form of pricing or anything like it. I like to get in front of somebody, I like to see how they operate, how they're, how they're looking at me and basically reading their body language. So I think that's a critical time where you can get in front of somebody, make them feel comfortable and then go about your business. Okay, if we can go on to your, your, your listing presentation now, um, how much preparation work do you do on the client or on, on before you go there? Do you, what do you do? Do you just roll up and just go for it? And, or do you, I presume you've got a plan for when you go for the kill. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all, it's all about practicing your own presentation. I mean, it's, I, I still generally go about, I have the same basis and the same plan I work through when I'm actually talking to somebody. So it's the same steps, but they may change slightly depending on how I'm being interacted with, obviously, as a, you know, with the current, with the pre, prospective owner. But, um, yeah, it's like anything. I mean, if you want to perfect it and be good at it, you're just going to keep doing it. The more so you, you do it, the better you are. So it's, you do a lot of practice on your listing presentations. And, and it's, it's about, I, th- I think, the fundamental thing in all this is actually having the knowledge and the information. If you have knowledge, you have power. Yes. And at the end of the day, I can, I can comfortably sit and anybody can make a phone call to me now and within half an hour I could be in their living room and feel very comfortable having a conversation with them about managing their property, renting it, doing whatever, and particularly industry-related matters that are... To that link with the property, yeah. So you'll have, then obviously, I mean, if you've got somebody who's just looking to rent out the house for a couple of years and somebody who's a, a serious hard investor, clearly you'll have different techniques. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the investors are looking for the sharpest deal. But I mean, it's 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 like anything in sales. You don't necessarily have to sharpen your pencil. It's all about, you know, relaying the service and the quality of the service you can offer them. So this leads on to the next step when you get people saying, Andrew, you know, such a body's offering me 7.5%, you're saying 9%. Come on, you know, so what? how do you combat uh, fee objection? Right, so, so it gets back to getting them in a comfortable zone and having the prospective owner feel comfortable that, that you're getting them into a yes-yes situation where they're saying yes to the, your questions you're asking. So you've got to make sure that they're comfortable in what the service that we are going to offer them, um, the backup, the support, the communication. We as a company, whichever company it is, so particularly at the moment it's Tremaine's, and you get them into a position, but I, I think the whole thing though, Dave, is that when you first start your presentation, it's not all about walking in the door and starting talking about property management per se. It's about getting a bit of empathy with the actual uh, customer themselves. And then realistically, you could sit in an hour's presentation and probably the last 15 minutes or so will actually be the presentation. The rest of it's actually just sitting, talking with people, making them feel comfortable, getting an understanding and a rapport with them, and then you go into the actual so, presentation. So the key word you used there was empathy. So yep. it's really getting to know your clients before you, you, you try and, uh, and convert the business. Absolutely. And, they, and they feel comfortable with you, so, so it's de- developing trust. That's right. And it's got to start right from the word go. Because if we're going to go through and manage a property for them, it starts right there at that very first um, meeting that we have. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, that's why I don't do any um, listing presentations over a phone. Um, they're always done in person. Okay. Now... <clears throat> I mean, obviously, industry evolves and, and business evolves, uh, and we're we're starting to see uh, new trends in terms of marketing of properties. Uh, you're starting to see a lot of video 
what points of difference? I mean, how do you convince landlords that your Tremaines are going to get out there? They're going to rent the property for the best price in the shortest period of time without jeopardising that capital asset. Okay, so we as a company, particularly in this region here, that a lot of the, the real estate companies have decided to drop trade me. Um, we've gone the opposite and they've actually gone back on to trade me from the rental side of it. Um, we have worked out as well that a lot of the other established companies here are very slow and um, at doing viewings of properties, particularly with tenants. And they will say, for example, only book one viewing a week. So what we've decided to do um, is to make regular viewings during the week and that way we're finding we're tenanting properties really quickly. Tenants are very responsive to it. The owners are finding that we, you know, we're active and we're in the marketplace. You know, we're out there hustling and, it's, and I think that's the key to it is we're there trying to find a solution a, for the tenant that's going to satisfy the owner as well. So it's all about being a little bit smarter on what we're doing on that side. Yeah. One of the things I saw that you've done, Andrew, and I, I've never seen anybody do this before, is this text message that you send people. It's a video text. Once you've done a, had a, an appraisal or you've done a listing with someone, they'll get a little video message from you through a text message. Can you talk us through how you came about that idea and how successful it is? Right, it's, it's certainly with the previous company I worked for, um, we were using that. Um, it's something that I picked up from Australia, but once again through the academy, I keep coming back to the BDM Academy in Australia. Um, we in New Zealand are seeing a certain number of, um, I suppose, clever marketing points and tips, but in Australia we're seeing a lot more video, um, digital technology um, for marketing, marketing the person and um, particularly the agent or the business development manager. And I think that's where having access into the academy at the moment, we're seeing the benefit of having um, basically the, the avenues into Australia, which are, are, are pretty much market leading. And um, I, I, to be honest with you, haven't still haven't set up yet with this company, the, <laughs> um, the uh, text messaging yet, but that's something that's a work in progress. We have a number of things that we're doing. So, so when we talked about that Australia seems to be a little bit more at the cutting edge in terms of technology and marketing. And, and, and the previous person, Andrew Reese, who I interviewed, asked him this, asked the same question. I'm going to ask it of you because you've just been to Australia and done a bit of speaking over in, in, in Darwin and in Melbourne and, and whatever. Um, are they better at property management than New Zealand? I, I, I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think we, we, we have very good people in this country that are uh, doing the job and I think are doing it very well. I think some of the industry is just different around the regulation and what's involved um, between Australia and New Zealand and there's certain standards that I think we in New Zealand are still going to follow through and on Australia. Um, some of those of course you will understand haven't been involved in the industry for a long time. But yeah. Okay. Listen Andrew, uh, I appreciate you're a very, very busy man. Uh, it's been great catching up and been great talking to you. Uh, I want to thank you for coming in. Uh, it's been a pleasure to interview you and wish you all the best of luck with your venture as the Business Development Manager at Tremaine's in the Hawke's Bay. Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you very much, David. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Management Podcast. I've been your host, David Faulkner. I uh, just want to again quickly thank Andrew Williams for his time and coming in to see us. I'd also like to thank our key sponsors, the boys at Moving House and also at Palace Property Management Software. If you want to contact David, feel free to email him, david at johncrocker.co.nz. We'd love to hear from you. The John Crocker and Associates Property Management News Desk Podcast. Brought to you in association with Palace. Great property management software at getpalace.com. And Moving House Property Video. Bringing your listing to life at movinghouse.net.nz. John Crocker and Associates, New Zealand's number one property management consultants. 
Build your property management business at johncrocker.co.nz.